Hi, everyone. It's me, Sandy Cruz of Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. For years now, I've been bringing to you conversations about wellness from experts from all over the world, whether it be suggestions in how you can age better, biohacking, alternative wellness. These are conversations to help you live your best life. I want to live a long, healthy, and vibrant life. Never mind all those stigmas that as we reach midlife and beyond, we're just going to shrivel up and die with some horrible disease. Always remember, balanced living works. I really look forward to this season. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have a special guest. Her name is Faye Anaya. And bear with me as I'm going to have a little bit of a longer preamble. And this comes really, really straight from the heart. So I met Faye last summer in August at a wellness place in Sedona, Arizona. I saw what she had to offer, and I'm going to call her a spiritual hypnotist. She is many things, but one of the things that she did was help to open something up within me. Since I saw Faye last August, I could say I went through probably some of the greatest transformations I've gone through in many, many years. Probably since I started to transform my way of thinking after my daughter was sick and after I was sick, that was a pretty major transformation. I'm going to say that this was perhaps another major transformation now that I look back in August. And the reason I wanted this little preamble to be longer is to say that our wellness is not linear. You can't just go to the doctor, get a pill, and be done with it. You can't just you know, get on Ozempic and lose a ton of weight that you've wanted to lose. You can't just go and do all the things and the gut protocols to heal your gut and you're fine. I've been saying this all along. And in 2022, I was really fortunate enough to meet people in the wellness space personally to go to conferences. I loved being a part of the Biohacking Congress, both in Boston last June and in Miami in October. One thing I felt that was missing in a lot of the conversations is simply the conversation that wellness is not linear. It's not. You can't take a ton of peptide bioregulators and cure all your issues. And I actually, see, I'm going to get emotional, you guys. 
I feel like I have in the last year and a half put a lot of feelings aside, a lot of thoughts, maybe even some trauma, not maybe, yes, some trauma. And I suppressed a lot of things. I suppressed the fact that I love to write and writing is therapy for me. I might have continued with my nature walks and really enjoyed the signs and symbols that nature has to offer us, but I didn't do the internal work for a while now. And I feel like that is where something might be amiss with a lot of people's wellness. Doing the internal work sucks, you guys. It sucks. And it's hard. So what I went to Faye about was I wanted to lose weight. I saw that over the last year and a half, I had put on weight. I mean, by the time this comes out, I'll be 53. So I am a woman or close to 53. I'm not sure when I'm going to put this out yet. My birthday's on January the 6th. So I put on a lot of weight in the last year and a half. And what have I been doing in the last year and a half? Building, 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 building my podcast, building my business, building my presence within this community, meeting people, just going, going, going. It's not to say that I didn't slow down now and again, which I did, but I didn't do the work, the work that sucks. And when I saw Faye, my initial surface reason to see her was to lose weight. But do you believe that somebody can magically help you lose weight through hypnotism? Hmm. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say what someone can help you with is to get you on that trajectory to where you want to go. So I got back from Sedona, didn't do anything, Ended up just doing that course in metabolic balance, but I didn't do the program itself. Yeah, did not do it. My dog died. I felt that was a very traumatic thing for me. And I think that I had some hard lessons to learn. I had to really come to terms with a lot of shit, you guys. And then all of a sudden, I felt this, I don't know, pull within me to make some changes. I actually felt the drive to do the program, to get certified as a metabolic balance coach. Then I started to dig even deeper. I did some theta healing with Dr. Allison Snowden. I started to delve deep in books like The Sedona Method. I started to journal every day. I started to feel weird, random pains. And then I started to dig deeper on 
how some of these weird random pains could be connected to trapped emotions. Maybe some trauma there. Trauma is a word that's thrown around so much these days. And when I did have a session with Dr. Allison Snowden, we talked about big T's and little T's. And we have, you know, as in big traumas and little traumas, big traumas, illness, um, death, a broken marriage. There's a lot of big T's, traumatic childhood. All of those things can be big T's. And then there's little T's, just the way that maybe you have been treated by a spouse, and it might not have been serious abuse, but just small T's that gathered up and became a big T that's just blocked. So here's the conclusion, you guys. If you are doing everything to get well and to feel good, but all the things that you're doing are not working, This may be a time where you dig deeper. Maybe you work with somebody. Maybe you work with someone who's a professional in trauma. Maybe you do it yourself and do some shadow work, which is a lot of what I did, is shadow work. And what is shadow work? Shadow work is really looking at not just the parts of you that are conscious, but going a little deeper and getting into that subconscious, tapping into those programs that you may have held in your mind and your body and your soul since you were a child. And then there's other programmings that just kind of happen through life itself. When you tap into that, first off, how do you tap into that? Well, there's a lot of different ways you could do that a book that I highly recommend, and I am going to be interviewing the author, Hale Dworskin. Um, Get the book, The Sedona Method. If you feel you've got way deeper issues, work with a professional who is trauma-informed. Don't just, you know, go to anybody on Instagram and work with them on trauma if you have serious trauma. Work with a professional. But work on it. And the reason I say work on it is because often you will come across blockages that might be holding you back in your wellness, that might be holding you back in your life. I finally feel like I've got the guts to be who I really am at the core. And who I am is not just science. I've said this all along, and I remember once somebody saying, oh, don't use that word, woo, you know, woo, woo, woo. And they were in this industry, and I was like, huh, hmm, but I am woo, and I am going to use that word. So, you know, kind of like I felt like because this individual was very well connected in this wellness space, I should follow these directions. And I suppressed that woo. And I tried to be more science. And I'm like, 
this fucking is not me. Yes, I am a believer in the science. And yes, I do believe that we have to follow the science to a point. But then there's some great physicians and great scientists who also speak about the woo, like Dr. Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief that our cells hold memory. I've interviewed amazing practitioners and experts that some might say are the woo, right? Mark Willin, it didn't start with you. Generational trauma, it's a thing. So 2023 is going to be a year where you're going to see woo from me because woo is a part of wellness. And I will not suppress that part of me anymore. Not that I, you know, I think people saw a hint of it. And there's a lot of people in science who just don't get it. But I'm going to tell you that even though I'm not a doctor, I'm not a great scientist. If you forget the woo, you will always miss a giant piece of your wellness. I don't give a shit who you are and how much industry experience you have and how well regarded you are. If you forget the woo, you ain't going to get to your optimal wellness. You will never reach, and I know this word is used around or this phrase, your higher self. You won't reach it. You won't. So, That is my preamble, you guys, and I wanted it to be special before I introduce you to Faye, because Faye was the beginning of this trajectory that I'm on, that I feel like I'm really reaching where I want to reach in my career, in my wellness, and also Let me make this clear. You never stop doing the work. So when you do get into whatever spiritual biohacking resonates with you, it doesn't stop. You're not one and done. You got to keep at it. And so here are a couple of practices that I'm doing to keep at it. Number one, I no longer look at my social media as soon as I wake up or my emails or my texts or anything like that as soon as I wake up. Often I go downstairs, I have my tall glass of water with my empty stomach supplements and I will journal. Often I will start with my own prompt, which might be, What does my spiritual self want me to know today? Or if there's something on my mind that I want to set aside for the day because I don't want it to distract me, I'll write it down. Or maybe it's a dream that was really weird, but it's stuck in my mind and I want to write it down. Or maybe it's a fear. So whatever it is, often I'll start my morning with it. It might be two lines. It might be a page. 
I will often do some sort of a session through the day that will get me into theta mode. I will often do a new calm session or I'll do brain tap if I want it to be directed, if I want it to be free flowing and let new calm decide what I need to work on spiritually for the day, then I'll do new calm. I'll take that walk in nature. Sometimes I'll feel like I want to do some work from the Sedona method and really jot down some fears that are maybe piling up. Or maybe I need to just do some releasing. And that might be releasing of feelings that are just kind of stuck there. Or maybe I need to simply feel unstuck in order to allow my creativity and my true self to come through. So these are some of the things that I have done. And if you feel like you need a bigger force to get you unstuck, maybe you want to see somebody like Faye or Dr. Allison Snowden. Maybe you need that. Maybe you need to see somebody who's a true trauma-informed therapist to get you on your way. Here are some of the ways that I have changed Mm -hmm. since August last year. I've lost over 7% of my body weight, and I'm still losing without being on metabolic balance anymore. I have grown to understand some of the emotional attachments I've had to food and how I'm covering it up. And emotion and food, hey, you guys, this is nothing new. It's a big thing. If you find that you can actually go, oh, wait a minute, I had that cookie because I was pissed off at my husband. Well, these are things where that awareness just starts to open up and then the work might really have to come into play. So I'm going to end that here. I'm going to let you listen to this amazing recording with Faye. And I hope this is helpful to you. And I hope you have an incredible 2023. I plan to do so. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have a very special guest. Her name is Faye Anaya, and she's an intuitive channel, a certified hypnotherapist, an energetic healing practitioner, and teacher. Now, Faye holds a diploma in clinical hypnotherapy through the Hypnosis Motivation Institute's residency program. She did over 750 hours, and she is attuned to the Usui Reiki Master Frequency. Faye's ultimate goal is to guide you into living an inspired life, a life lived on purpose and with passion to the fullest potential. And I invited Faye because her and I actually met in person in the summer. And you might have heard me talk about that I saw a spiritual hypnotist. I like to say that because there are many types of hypnotists out there. And 
Faye helped me work on some of my own limiting beliefs, which I also spoke about briefly on my stories on Instagram. And her and I got in touch. And she is here with me today on Zoom, all the way from Sedona. And so with that, welcome, Faye. I'm so happy to see you again. Thank you. I'm happy to see you as well. It's lovely being here. I still I still can't believe that you remember me because you see so many people there. Oh, yes. Quite a lot. Over a thousand just in this year alone. But I always remember faces that, and energies. Oh, that's amazing. You can remember. You can. Oh, God. Okay. I'm going to just like drop that on you. Like, what do you mean you feel energies? Like, how do you... How do you know? Like, is my energy good, bad, sad? Like, what did you feel from me? Oh, no, your energy was very open. Oh, that's good. Very um, you're able to connect very quickly. So it was a wonderful experience. Yeah. Good, good. So let's get to your background. How did you start doing what you do now? Ooh, that is a that's a good question. So we're going to have to go all the way back to my childhood then very briefly. Okay. Um, I grew up in a pretty abusive household. Not a very happy story in the beginning. Um, I ended up with what we know now is complex PTSD. And during my later teenage years and my early 20s, I was put on <clears throat> different medications, pharmaceuticals, uh, a whole cycle of them, actually. And I got to this one point in my later 20s when I thought, you know what? <clears throat> there has to be more to life. This cannot be all there is, right? And so I began searching. I began opening myself up to the universe. I said, you know, if there's a God or universe out there, show me a sign. Show me something. All of a sudden, I started getting these synchronicities coming into my life. I had books. Literally, a book fell off a shelf onto my head. I started reading it, and it opened me up. I had um, people with just these synchronistic messages coming forward. And it came to this point where I couldn't deny it anymore. So I asked for guidance. I said, whoever's out there, guide me. Show me show me what to do next. So I had a friend who said, you know, we should take this fun class. It's about stage hypnotism. Just for fun, let's go take it. It's at this school. I said, okay, sure. Why not? I don't have anything better to do. So I showed up. She didn't. I walk into this school and I immediately feel like I'm home, which was the most amazing experience because it was the first time in my life I'd ever felt that way. Well, come to find out, it's not a class on stage hypnotism. It is on hypnotherapy itself. I signed up on the spot and I immediately began to understand what was going on with me, why my brain was wired the way that it was wired, and that there was hope for me that I could change. And then, slowly but surely, I began opening up to spirituality. I began remembering my psychic abilities that I've had since childhood. I simply decided to block them out. So what happened was I embarked on this beautiful journey to understand the mind, but also to understand the human spirit as well. That led me to ayahuasca interestingly enough. Mm. And I did my first ceremony. Um, it was in 2013. And before I went, I did some research and I realized you cannot be on antidepressants when you do um, ayahuasca. It's actually very dangerous. So I quit them cold turkey. 
Now, for anybody who's been on antidepressants, you know that you get these brain zaps when you stop taking them. It feels like mini seizures. It's insane. So I started getting the brain zaps. They're really, really bad. And I finally found a way to basically crawl my way into this ceremony, just believing that this is going to help me. And we went into the journey. It was, it was quite the journey. I feel like I could talk for hours about that particular journey. But as I was coming out of it, what I remember very distinctly is the knowing that my brain had been healed and I would no longer need the medication. The brain zaps would be gone. Sure enough, I came out of it. No more brain zaps. I had complete mental clarity. And I've never been on a pharmaceutical again. So it led me on this journey. I, I began to merge my understanding of the mind. You know, my diploma is in clinical hypnotherapy. And there was not a whole lot about the spirituality involved. But my path took me into both the clinical and the spiritual. And what I found for me personally is by merging the clinical with the spiritual, all of a sudden my life exploded into many wonderful um, happenstances that I would not have been open to otherwise. So that's what I love to do with my clients is merge the clinical aspect, the scientific aspect of what we know about how the mind works, how it's wired, why people have PTSD, how our childhoods affect us, and merge that with the spiritual aspect of the human spirit, the heart. You know, I think of us humans as being these giant onions walking around on two legs, and who we are is at the very center. That's the heart. And we take on all these layers and all these masks that we put on to please other people, to be what everybody else wants us to be. Most of us don't even know who we are, right? That's the sad truth. But we are inside. Most of us are inside crying to get out. That's the fact of the matter. And so what we do is we just start to peel back all those layers, the layers of who we think we should be, the obligations to other people, what everybody else wants us to be. And what we find is our authentic self on the inside. And when that happens, that's where the magic is. Holy smokes, that's powerful, Faye. And I do believe that it is our experiences that can guide where we can go next in our lives, which is obviously what happened to you. So, you know, I've I've had podcasts where I've talked about victimhood and being in a victim state, victim consciousness, where that can't happen until like some of us need to go through that. But if you don't move through it, you're never going to get to the other side, right? So, you know, you could have been that victim growing up and stayed where you were your whole life, which does happen with a lot of people, right? Many, many people, yes. Yeah, so um, ayahuasca, interesting, because I actually did a recording on psychedelics. And I'm going to do a little disclaimer here. This podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not going, we're not telling you go out and do psychedelics. We're not telling you to go off your antidepressants or if you're on any kind of SSRI. So please note, this is a disclaimer. We are just having a discussion here. So I have to put that in there. Um, Because it can be dangerous. You know, if you go into ayahuasca and you're not fully prepared um, or you have a serious mental condition that needs to be addressed, ayahuasca is probably not for you. It can be dangerous. Right. So, you know, I've heard, and and because I have recorded with other individuals who are experts in psychedelics, I've heard that with some of the plant medicines, you can no longer turn back. 
Like the medicine itself will not allow you to forget that journey and it will not allow you to forget whatever it was that it was trying to teach you during that journey. What do you think of that, Faye? I agree 100% because once you have that opening, once you wake up, you cannot go back to sleep. You can distract yourself. You can pretend, but in a sense, you're just running away at that point. That opening is that opening. You can't unsee what you've seen, essentially. Yes, I've heard that exact quote. You can't unsee what you've been shown. And then I have, you know, I've also heard of the the people that do get the anxiety, that do get the um, residual issues after a journey like that. It's usually because they're refusing to see what they've been shown. What do you think? That is absolutely true. I um, I've had people come to me who have seen, you know, sexual abuse in childhood, memories that they have repressed, and they may not have been ready to see it. And so when they come out of the journey and that ego is back online, it says, oh, no, 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 no. That couldn't possibly have happened. And so it causes this sort of inner conflict. Now, I can say for myself personally that I did have repressed memories come up as well, but I was ready. I had already done the work. I had already been doing the hypnosis and the inner spiritual work. And so I was ready for that. So I would say anyone looking to do an ayahuasca ceremony Make sure that you're ready. Do the inner work first and then consider the ceremony. Don't just do the ceremony without doing any sort of inner work. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, let's get into how powerful the subconscious mind is. Because, you know, I kind of see all these things connected, like hypnotism and working on the subconscious mind and doing shadow work. I mean, there's even warnings for people when they delve into shadow work that a lot of really tough feelings can come to surface. So, you know, let's let's get into the subconscious mind. I find that stuff so fascinating. Well, the subconscious mind makes up about 95% of the mind for most people. And that's an average. For some people, it's more. For some people, it's less. But what we need to understand is that the subconscious mind is really what's pulling the strings in our life. You know, so I have many people who come to me and they say, why can't I just make this change? I want to change. The fact of the matter is the subconscious mind is very much like a computer. It's been programmed a certain way between the ages of zero to eight, generally for most people. That's when we take on all of our associations. All of our knowns, our core beliefs are formed at that time. And during that time, our brain is literally being wired together in certain patterns. And it stays wired that way. What wires together, fires together. That's what we know. And until we go in to change it, it's not going to change on its own, just like we wouldn't expect our computer to change on its own. So it's like this computer processor that's running all of these programs in the background that most people are just not aware of. And then we have that 5% of conscious awareness. That's the part of us that is connected to our authentic self. We're able to analyze, to reason, to make decisions. That's where we have our willpower. Now, that 5% of us is able to say, you know what? I don't like this life that I'm living anymore. You know, when I had that moment way back when, when I woke up and I said, you know what? This can't be all there is. There has to be more to life than this. That was my conscious awareness, my 5% that said that. 
Now, what generally happens for most people is they'll have that 5% that says, I want to create a change. And so they try to create that change. Now, if they have a very strong willpower, they can create that change through repetition. So what we find is that people who have that strong willpower, they can create that change on their own through repetition and through using their force, their will. The thing is, most people don't have that strong of a willpower. Mm-hmm. That's I, I see it as a sort of gift that people are just innately born with. Some have it and some don't. What we find happens is that our actual ego identity is identified with all of the programming that is running in our subconscious mind. So say somebody comes to me because they want to lose weight or stop smoking or stop the pattern of going into narcissistic relationships. I get that very often. You know, many women who are empaths will come to me and say, you know, I just I go from one narcissistic husband to the other. Why does this keep happening to me? And I say, well, your subconscious mind is wired to look for a partner that has those traits. The subconscious mind is comfortable with whatever it's wired for. So even though the conscious mind, the 5% will say, I don't like this. This is terrible. Why do I keep doing this, right? To the subconscious mind, that food or the smoking or the relationship is comfortable. And that 95% will always go in the direction of what it is comfortable with because our ego identity is identified with that thing. So therein lies the issue. We have the 5% that's up against the 95%. Normally the 95% will win unless we take on some techniques that will intervene and help us. What we have to do is actually shift our ego identity around those things. So if someone is identified with having the extra weight, what we have to do is shift their identity to be identified with something else. Or if someone such as myself is identified with the trauma of the childhood, we have to shift our focus from that and create a new identity that we can live from. And this can be done in a subtle manner, and that's the which it actually take on. Um, uh, it will actually stick in that regard when we do that. So we have to get through that filter, that aspect of ourselves identified with the programming, and we begin to work with that aspect of ourselves. And that's how we get into shadow work, right? The subconscious mind, I think of it as being the shadow. And it's very similar to, you know, when we look at an image of the iceberg, right? And the largest part of the iceberg is underwater. And it's dark underwater. The light is not down there. It's not scary, right? Many people are scared of it because they're scared of facing those things that they're not willing to face yet. But the truth is there's nothing bad about it. There's nothing bad about what's in the subconscious mind. There's nothing bad about the shadow. It's just underwater. So when we go into, say, hypnosis, what we're doing is we're breaking through that wall that most people find that they're like hitting their heads against, right? And we've all been there. Why can't I just create this change? I want to change this small little habit. Why can't I do it? And people blame themselves. And I say, no, 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 no. Don't blame yourself. It's not your fault, right? There's no blame here. You're doing the best that you can. Your mind's simply been programmed in a certain way. And all we have to do is reprogram it. We're going to rewire the subconscious mind. 
And there have been multiple studies done that have proven, that have actually shown the rewiring that takes place when we do this work. So we go into the shadow, we create new associations, we create new nouns, new programs, and then we start moving in that direction. And it's a really beautiful process. It's very transformative. I agree. Now, but we, okay, so we taught, you mentioned the zero to eight programming. Right, like as children, but we're constantly forming limiting beliefs throughout our lives, aren't we? Like, you know, let's say I was 35 years old and married to a very abusive husband, and that had an impact on me, and I formed new limiting beliefs. That's possible too, right? It is possible. We look at the zero to eight as being the root, okay, the core. Be- that would have even allowed for the narcissistic relationship. Now, what's important to know is that hypnosis is actually a natural state. We go in and out of hypnosis on a daily basis. You know, you're driving down the street and you're so lost in thought that you miss your exit. Most of us have done that. You're in hypnosis. Anytime that there's any sort of shock or trauma to the system, anytime that we go into fight or flight, we're in a state of hypnosis. So anytime we're in hypnosis, there is the opportunity for us to take on new beliefs, which can be positive as we do therapeutically or can be negative anytime that there's a shock or trauma. For example, if someone gets into a traumatic car accident later on in life, they may be afraid from that point on to get into cars, whereas they didn't have that problem before. The shock of that car accident put them into such a deep state of hypnosis that now that trauma is embedded in the subconscious mind. So you're absolutely right. We do take on new beliefs throughout life. It's the zero to eight where we find the root to most situations, but not all. So interesting. Okay, so here's a question. When I was hypnotized by you, I, first off, I I like to, you know, I'm a very open person with a lot of my experiences because I feel that people learn from each other and people can learn from this experience. You provided me with a very large crystal. It was, and I think it was an amethyst that I was holding in one hand. And still to this day, I don't understand how I felt it vibrate so intensely. Like I have a lot of crystals. I have a lot of them in my home. I pick them up when I resonate with the, you know, the the healing property of that crystal. But I've never in my life felt a crystal vibrate like that time. So how do you explain that, Faye? Because I still don't understand it. Good question. So... What happens is when we, when our energy is in resonance with the vibration of, say, a crystal, and you could think of it like this, everything is sound, everything is vibration, everything is frequency. So in that moment, your frequency was resonating with the frequency of that crystal because you were in a hypnosis state, but that means you're very suggestible, you're very open in that state. When we're in hypnosis, we're very, very open, more open than we are in the um 
quote unquote, out of our wake life when we're just going about our day. So because you were so open in that state, you were able to actually absorb the energy of the crystal. You were able to actually feel the vibration of that crystal and take it into your own energetic sphere. Yeah, I still to this day find that pretty amazing because I've never felt a crystal like that. (laughs) I've never felt it move or vibrate like that. So I find it quite amazing. Um, Now, is it possible to clear limiting beliefs after one hypnosis session? If I guess if you keep working on it on your own, is it possible? It is absolutely possible. Yes. It really depends on how open the individual is and how much work they're actually able to put into it on their own. Hypnosis will not make you do anything, but it will clear the way for you to do the work. So what we're essentially doing is we're removing the blocks to creating that change. And now it's like a clear freeway, whereas before there would have been a pileup that you couldn't get around, right? So we clear the freeway, we make space, and what you have now is not only the the clear pathway to make that change, but you also have the motivation and the drive to do it because hypnosis will also give you that. It won't make you do the work, but it will give you the motivation and it will clear the pathway for you to do it. Yeah, it's almost like the, the way I like to describe it, it's like trying to look out of a really dirty window and then hypnosis is washing that window and then you can actually see out that window, right? Like that's kind of how I felt after it's like, I, it took me time to make some of the changes that I worked on with you. It's not like it happened immediately. It it took some Mm -hmm. time. And I think I went through some trauma, right? You know, I was briefly describing, it was traumatic for me to lose my dog. Like it was literally just a few days after we got back from Sedona. And so I was kind of dealing with a lot of little things, but I continued to kind of not be afraid to go there. Does that make sense? Mm. Not afraid to go there. So I will go Mm -hmm. in that, that moment where maybe my thoughts are not very positive. I am in the dark a little bit and I kind of, I almost embrace it because I feel like I come out better on the other side. Absolutely. And that's the key there too. Accepting how we feel is the quickest way to create change. When we reject how we're feeling, now we're repressing it. But when we accept how we're feeling, maybe we're depressed one day, maybe we feel anxiety, maybe we're feeling grief. It's in the acceptance of that feeling and being okay with it that we actually accept ourselves. We're accepting our own emotional body. And in that acceptance, there's love. We're not rejecting ourselves anymore. Because if we say I wake up one morning and I feel depressed, if I reject that, I'm rejecting a part of myself and it's going to come back. In fact, most times it will grow stronger. But if instead I say, you know what, I feel depressed today and I'm just going to sit with that. I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to accept it and see what happens. 9.9 times out of 10, it will go away within a few hours for me personally. And I've heard of this happening with multiple other people, many clients as well. It's in the acceptance of what has happened. It's in the acceptance of how we feel that we're actually able to move forward um, quicker. 
Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. I do believe that I was definitely in this particular situation in it a little longer. But what I found helped me was looking for signs and symbols. I, I'm a big believer in, in kind of opening up to that as well, because sometimes it's like we ignore all these signs and symbols that things are going to be okay. And when we ignore that, we kind of ignore and, you know, what's the word? Suppress all those feelings. I like to go, okay, well, there's a sign. This is going to be okay. And I'm okay with these feelings right now. And I'm going to get past Uh it. Yes, absolutely. I also love signs. I always say, ask the universe for a sign and then be open to it and you will get it. I totally believe that, Faye, because I never, I never used to do that. And I do that all the time now. I'm like, you know, if this is okay, give me a sign. Like, and I'll even ask, like, if I'm on a walk with my other dog or, you know, I'll say, show me a feather, show me something, right? Like that would, that would resonate with me because everybody's got their own thing that resonates with them, right? Absolutely. I normally will ask for different kinds of bugs and it makes life exciting, right? It brings the magic back into life. It allows our inner child to peek its head out and say, oh, this is fun. Life can be fun, right? And it brings that playfulness back in. And that's what most of us are missing in our everyday life. Oh my God. I love that you say that. I've been using this word a lot lately is enriched. It helps for me like, you know, people will go, oh, that's just a coincidence. Oh, yeah, you saw a feather just because you asked for it? Coincidence, coincidence. And I'm like, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that life is way more enriched when we believe that we are given signs from the universe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, that's what magic is. Magic is all around us. It's in every leaf, every sunset, every dewdrop. We just have to have the eyes to see it. Be open to see it. Yes. Okay, so answer this because can you can anybody be hypnotized? What if you've got like the biggest skeptic ever? Can you still hypnotize them? Um, in short, the answer is Yes. The only people that I've had a hard time hypnotizing are the ones who have very chronic and intense physical pain. It is the chronic and the intense physical pain that will usually keep a person from being able to focus in a certain direction. And that's the biggest issue. Um, Some people will say, oh, I cannot be hypnotized. The truth is they're scared of letting go of control. Mm -hmm. And Hollywood has a big, (laughs) has a big uh, blame to, uh, to take on for this because um, true hypnotherapy is not like how you will see in the movies. Um, Someone's not going to have control over you. Um, What Hollywood will generally portray is a brainwashing, which is very different than an actual hypnotherapy session. So I do understand that though, because I was one of those people who would say, oh no, 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 I cannot be hypnotized. Never, never, never. I'll never allow anybody. So I have a deep understanding of why that is and how that's simply a defense mechanism. And I have different ways of hypnotizing people. So there are different questions that I will ask them before we go into the hypnosis session to determine if they're more right brain or left brain dominant. Of course, that's a metaphor to tell me if they're more suggestible or more closed off. 
Now, depending upon the answers that I get, that will tell me how I go about the hypnosis process. Many hypnotists will simply do the traditional way of hypnotizing. Well, they say, you're going to feel this way and you're going to feel that way and your life is now changed. That works for some people. But for many other people, such as myself, that does not work. So there's a different style of hypnosis where you give them suggestions very differently. Um, this is more along the lines of what we would call Ericksonian style of hypnosis. So it's really about knowing your client. If I have someone who really wants to be hypnotized, but they have so much resistance, and you know, it's not their fault. It's like 5% that wants to be hypnotized, but maybe the 95% has been so traumatized in life that it's like, no, I won't allow it. What I will do is I will teach them exactly what I'm doing as I'm doing it, and I will have them essentially hypnotize themselves as I'm guiding them to do it. Very cool. And that just works. Um, okay, so that answers that question. The big part of hypnotism is the suggestive part, right? Where you're trying to help reprogram the trauma, the limiting beliefs, the whatever it is that the person is working on. So essentially, if you had somebody who was maybe not a very good person, they could suggest some not so great things in there, but you're still cohesive. You could go, hey, what are you saying to me? Right? Like, it's not like you're in this zombie state. <laughs> Hypnosis is a heightened state of awareness. So you're still very, very aware. It's like the body feels like it's asleep, but the mind is still awake. So yes, you're absolutely aware of what's going on. You could open your eyes and walk out anytime if you really wanted to. Right, right. That makes sense. So can it be dangerous for some people? That is an excellent question. And in short, yes, for some people it could be. Um, if there's someone struggling with a serious mental illness, if someone has schizophrenia, um, personality disorder, if a person is not able to differentiate what's actually going on in their life from their fantasy reality, those are people who should not be hypnotized because it could actually strengthen their belief in the fantasy reality. Oh. So that's why I always assess to ensure that we're not dealing with any sort of personality disorder, uh, no schizophrenia, um, no issues such as that. Um, but barring that, if that's not the case, it's very unlikely to be dangerous in any way. Okay. All right. Because that, yeah, that's important to know, right? Like if it, who, but I spent 90 minutes with you. Why was I bawling my eyes out, Faye? Why was I crying? I'm so not a crier. Like I'm sensitive and I can be emotional and I can be very deep, but I'm not a crier, especially with somebody I just met. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a beautiful thing that you did cry, really. And I will say about 95% of people will cry in my sessions. So what happens is I create a very safe space. My intent is that it's a sacred space, right? And within that sacred space creates a container of safety. When you're in hypnosis, you're in an open and vulnerable state. And so the container should be a sense of the sacred, right? And when we are open, the body says, oh, I can release now, right? Because it's really the body that keeps the score. The body is holding on to all of these things. 
And when we finally open up and relax to the point where we allow for these things to come up and out, the body's like, oh, thank God. And it just begins to come out all on its own. It's the body that's releasing. Okay. Um, is it possible for somebody to be worse after or, um, you know, it takes some time, almost time for their body to recalibrate? Yes, that is possible. So depending on the type of hypnosis, depending upon the type of suggestions that you have been given, you know, if you're in a very deep state of hypnosis and you have um, certain memories that come up that you don't have the tools to process, you're going to need to find the help. Hopefully the hypnotherapist you worked with would be able to help you, right? Uh, you're going to need an ongoing um, situation where you're learning the tools cognitively to cope with whatever it is that's coming up. So in that case, it wouldn't be a one and done. You would want to continue with whatever that type of therapy was to help you work through whatever has come up. Mm, that totally makes sense because I feel like for, you know, I, I like to speak of my experience. I feel almost like it was the initial it was me who said I wanted to do this. I feel like I need a change. So that was like the impetus for me to say, I need to go and see you, right? I need to see her. And for me, I am also very protective of my energy. So I, you know, I, I did look into the wellness center and I'm like, okay, I feel really comfortable with this. And so I guess that's the first point is that, you know, I can't go and tell my husband, go and get hypnotized so you stop smoking, right? Like, it has to be you that really wants this. Exactly. At the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. one thing that I appreciated was after my session with you, you did say, here's my contact information, any issues any problems or anything that you want to talk about you can get in touch with me yes which so is that's important because you may have someone who feels abandoned afterwards well that's the thing is that I feel like I do a lot of spiritual work I have for many years so I felt almost like I was equipped to take that information and and utilize it that reprogramming I guess you could say, but then, you know, there were other things that were going on in my life that almost put me even deeper into that shadow work than you even. Mm -hmm. So you kind of were the beginning. You're the impetus, right? And this is what I kind of, mm -hmm. I feel is very fascinating is when someone takes the step to try to clear those limiting beliefs, that's the beginning. That's you setting the pace for where you want to go in your life. Mm -hmm. You're opening up that door. And the opening of that door creates the opportunity for a new paradigm. Yes. So when we open up and we choose to step through it, the healing will continue and we'll begin to notice other limiting beliefs that may be there. So it's, it's a journey, right? It's not a one stop and then you're done. It's, it's a lifelong journey. I call it towards mastery, right? Mastery of the self, becoming our master, our own master. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of Carolyn Elliott? 
The name sounds vaguely familiar. So she has a book. Oh my God. I can't believe that the name is escaping me. I'm reading or I've read it. I actually bought it on audio and then I bought the hard cover book because she really kind of breaks down this whole, you know, manifesting. Like everyone's into the whole manifesting and she's like, unless you do the shadow work because the subconscious is such a massive part uh-huh. of our psyche, unless you really get into that subconscious and that dark side, you're never going to be a master manifester. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's exactly what you were saying. You got to tap into that, the limiting beliefs, because some of us don't even know we have them. So what if you don't, what if you don't know? Like, do you have to do hypnosis? Do you have to do ayahuasca? Do you have, like, what can you do? So hypnosis and ayahuasca, I would say, is more of a uh, fast track, right? But if nothing else, there should be some deep meditation going on, inner contemplation, inner inquiry, right? When we ask ourselves the why questions, when we can get quiet and take some time and say, why do I believe this thing that I believe? Now, all of a sudden, we're able to start unraveling those patterns ourselves. And that's a really big key component to it. Um, So asking ourselves those questions. Another thing is this. When we go into a hypnosis state, we're actually affecting our brainwave state, right? So on an everyday basis, we're in that beta state, that go, go, go. Sometimes it feels like anxiety state, right? Underneath that, we have alpha, which is great for studying. But underneath that, we have theta, which is our goal with hypnotherapy. So if you can get your own brainwave states down to a theta state, you can begin that inner inquiry yourself and start practicing certain mindfulness techniques that will allow you to begin to unravel those patterns for yourself. So I use something called Nucom. You probably never heard of it. I I don't know. Have you heard of it? Nucom? Um, sounds, I believe I have, I don't have any personal experience with it. It it used to be classified as a medical device for PTSD and trauma. And now it's available to anybody. Anyway, I started, I call it new calming. I use it as a verb now. And, uh, it really put, it, it, it puts you into that theta healing state. And I think that this is kind of where it began, where I wanted to then continue the trajectory by seeing you does that make sense it's almost like actually it is it's a journey it's my own journey so that's a great device then i mean different strokes for different folks right i'd highly recommend anything like that that's going to help you get down to that theta state because it sounds like that device then was actually the beginning of that door for you Totally, because I, you know, I feel like we've all been there where we don't feel like we have control over our lives and over our thoughts and over our feelings. And, and really, we are so much more than our ego and our conscious mind. Absolutely. We are the observer. Yes. And unless we kind of, and it's really kind of, existential kink i remember the name of the book from carolyn elliott it's called existential kink 
And what she's saying is that we all have that dark side, that shadow side, that, that, that hidden side. And when we bring it to light, it's not so offending anymore. It's not so, right? In doing so, we bring the conscious awareness, the light into the subconscious, the supposed darkness, and we're lighting it up. Now it's not scary anymore. It's like taking a flashlight into a dark room. Oh my God, I've been doing this thing too, Faye. It's called Deepest Fear Inventory, and it's from the book. And it it's just, it's. I feel like, when people aren't doing all the things like what you've done and what you continue to do to help others and what you've done in your past, like just to get you on this trajectory of where you are now, it's like we're missing a huge part of our lives. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, we're an autopilot, right? That 95% subconscious mind, that's essentially our autopilot. And what that means is that the average human being is spending 95% of their day, 95% of their life on autopilot. So until we can bring ourselves back into a state of conscious awareness and we grow that conscious awareness, you know, it doesn't have to remain 5%. It can grow much larger than that. It just takes the daily habit changes, the daily mindfulness techniques that we employ, whatever it is that works for you, right? Different things will work for different people. But the more we become aware of our environment and aware of where we really are in life, the less and less we're on autopilot, the more we're actually here. That's what I call being awake, right? And and the, the idea of an awakened person has become very cliche within certain circles. But what it means to me is that we're just consciously aware. We're not in that autopilot sleep state. We're actually present. Yeah. And okay, so if you were if you were a person who is just starting out your journey, your spiritual journey, your you know, you're trying to figure out how to be present, how to be happy, how to progress, how to manifest, how to really live your best life. What would be your best advice to that person? How would they even know to do this? I would say that knowledge is power and finding some books on certain subject matters that are exciting to you. And that's the key. It has to be something that you feel a spark towards. You're going to be drawn to certain things. It's really getting in touch with your intuitive self. And everyone has intuition. And you'll know it because it'll start out as a gut feeling. What book or what class might you feel drawn towards, right? So taking in that new knowledge, you're actually teaching yourself cognitively these new things, which is going to ready you for facing the subconscious mind at some point. And then when you're ready, I'd recommend something like hypnotherapy or something similar. And I guess somebody who is repeating patterns over and over and over again, that is maybe a clue that you need to do something different, even seeing somebody like yourself. Yes, absolutely. And that goes back to that inner inquiry. You know, why... Where did this come from? If we don't find the root of it, it will continue. You know, it's like a weed in a garden. You can cut it off. You can put a bandaid over it, but it's going to grow back eventually. So sometimes, oftentimes, we need help finding the root of that thing so that we can pull it up 
and plant something new in its place, a new pattern, a new program. Yes, exactly. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would like to touch on? I would say, uh, yes, actually. There is an aspect within all of us. It's the heart center, right? And I call that the higher self or the authentic self. It is uh, the voice of our intuition, our authenticity, our spirit. You know, call it whatever you want to call it. It's that voice inside of us that's like a whisper. And we have all these voices in our head. We all have voices in our head, right? Some people will tell me, oh, I don't have any voices. So maybe you're not listening uh, closely enough. We all have them. And they're very loud. And they vie for our attention all day, every day. And what happens is they drown out that voice of our intuition of our higher self or our, um, our authentic self, but it's always there. It's always talking. It never goes away. It can never be snuffed out. It's that light that we all have inside of ourselves. It's our spirit, right? And that's who we really are. So when we decide I'm going to connect with that aspect of me, I'm going to embody my higher self or my authentic self. That's when we can bring in gratitude and happiness. That's when we start to feel as if we're really truly alive because that's who we really are. And when we make that our goalpost, not something outside of ourselves, it's actually deeper inside. It's deeper inside of our heart center. When we our goal to go there, that's where we find our true power. And we begin to dismantle all these other layers that we have taken on. So I would recommend to anybody who's open to partaking on this journey to make that your goal. It's good to know what you're moving towards, right? So becoming that aspect of you and shedding all of those things that are not who you really are, um, that's an excellent first step. Just making the decision, just setting that intent, I want that. And saying that to your mind, your body, saying it to the universe, right? Just putting it out there, that's what I want. Just doing that alone, making it your intent to do that, that's going to start opening doors for you. Mm, I love that, Faye. I love that. And then, you know, for me, I... I've been talking about this for the last little bit is um, <laughs> some people might think this is hokey, but in the morning, I don't check my phone anymore and email and social media. And the first thing I do, cause you know, you, you wake up and your, your head is clear. You don't have, you know, you and I were talking about social media and it can really mm-hmm. cloud a lot of things in your brain. So I'm trying not to look at, that before bed or even like eight o'clock I've been trying to shut things uh-huh. down but uh-huh. I wake up now and I will write and I'll sometimes use different prompts like what does my soul want to tell me today or if uh-huh. if I'm anxious why am I anxious and write it down because there's just so much power to that I don't know if you're a writer are you Faye? I do. I love writing. And what you're doing is extremely intuitive because when we first wake up in the morning and right before we go to bed at night, this is the prime time for any sort of inner work that we're going to do because we're in a natural in-between state. We haven't come out of the dream state yet completely. And because of that, we're still in more of a theta or alpha state. And we're able to bring through much more information from our authentic self in that moment. 
and the same before going to bed. It's a, it's a naturally occurring hypnosis state that we all go into. So you wouldn't want to be on phone or news or anything else at that state because you're setting the tone for your day. Same thing before bed, you're setting the tone for your sleep time, right? So it's the best time to set intents for the day, for the sleep time, even for the dream time. Yeah, because I, I find sometimes for me, and I, I know that this is a reality for a lot of people, is anxiousness can kick up right before bed. And uh-huh. I don't know uh-huh. if you know why, why that happens, but for me, so maybe it's because one of my kids is out and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, who's driving? Are they going to be safe or whatever it is, but it's great to write it down and then leave it there. Right. What do you think? I agree with you. You know, at night before bed or when we wake up, we don't have all the other distractions. Normally we will automatically distract ourselves from our anxious thinking, but when we're in there in bed, we're just getting up or we're just going to sleep. We don't have those distractions. And so now we're faced with those thoughts that are looping. When you write it down, you're venting it out. Venting is a huge part of the healing journey. If we don't vent it out, it has nowhere to go. It just starts, it gets bigger, right? So by writing it out, you're venting it out. You're actually clearing your headspace and creating space for something else to come in, a new thought or a more positive thought. And you can actually shift your focus at that point now that there's space that you've made in your mind. Mm, great explanation. So... We're going to close off. I'm going to ask you one final question. What is your favorite practice that helps keep you present every day? What's your favorite thing to do? You know what? My favorite thing to do is actually very simple. You don't need to have any tools or techniques at all. I'll give you an example. When I'm walking, let's say I'm on a trail here in Sedona, or I'm just walking to my car. If you take a moment to really look at your surroundings, to really notice the sunlight reflecting off of a leaf, to notice the colors around you, to notice the people around you, whatever it is, you're actually looking instead of just glancing, you're present in that moment. Most of us are only glancing and we're actually only present in our heads. We're not present in our body, right? So instead of being so lost in thought, what I'll do is I'll catch myself anytime I'm lost in thought and I bring myself back into the present moment by actually looking at everything that is around me. Sometimes I'll even look at my hands, right? And they teach that in um, lucid dreaming uh, training, look at your hands. When I look at my hands, it actually brings me back into the present moment. It brings me back to the present awareness of my body. And so what I would say is anytime you find yourself being lost in thought, Look at your hands. Look at the colors all around you. Look at the color of the wall. Really take a look at that painting. And what's going to happen is you're going to start to notice things that you never saw before because you weren't fully present. So it's that everyday habit of becoming more and more present that's really going to help open up that conscious awareness and bring us into our power. I absolutely love that. I say that all the time. I'm like... If you're walking in nature, take out the headphones. Don't listen to my podcast when you're walking in nature. I'm like, no, don't do it. You know, do it when you're like Mm -hmm. cooking in the kitchen or something like that. But when you're in nature, pay attention to everything that's around you. I love that, Uh Faye. So, Faye, you do see 
people virtually. And yes. I would love for you to tell everyone how they can get in touch with you, how they can find you. Yes, absolutely. So the quickest way would be through my website. It's youexpanded.com. That's Y-O-U and then the word expanded.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. It's at youexpanded. So Y-O-U expanded on Instagram. Thank you so much for coming. I really like I feel like I want to hug you. <laughs> Next time I'm in Sedona, I will absolutely do that. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Faye. You're most welcome. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share it with someone you know might benefit. And always remember, when you rate, review, subscribe, you help to support my content and help me to keep going and bringing these conversations to you each and every week. Join me next week for a new topic, new guest, new exciting conversations to help you live your best life.